morning. We're going to sing, He Keeps Me Singing. If you guys would like to rise with us, let's sing. There's within my heart a melody Jesus whispers sweet and low Fear not, I am with thee, peace be still In all of life's ebb and flow Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know Fills my every longing Keeps me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. My every longing keeps me singing as I go, feasting on the riches of His grace, resting neath the sheltering wing, always looking on His smiling face. That is why I shout and sing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. My every longing keeps me singing as I go. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. It fills my every longing keeps me singing as I go. Glory. Give God the glory this morning. If you want to be singing for the Lord, say hallelujah. A little better than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. And let me, as we open in prayer, just I've had many of you ask. My mother is doing very well. Uh, she's gone from the uh, Sunday night being, we don't know if she's going to make it, to at home today. So praise the Lord. There's no in-home health care and such, but she's doing very, very well. That being said, we do need to also pray. Miss Mary and Lizzie and them are not here this morning. Mickey, who's been on your prayer list, or he's on your prayer list, they have made the decision. He has actually made the decision. He wants the machines turned off around 11 o'clock now, about right now. So we don't know what happens now, but they're at the hospital making that decision. and or They've made the decision. They're at the hospital doing that now. So they're, uh, I told her that we would pray her for her and her family as one body this morning as well. So let's go to Lord in prayer, and, and isn't it great, regardless of what happens to this physical body, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as Paul said, to be absent from the body, to be present with Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Father God, we just come before you this morning. I thank you that we have a house that we can gather together in. We have a home that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ when we're on top of the mountain with joy or whether we're down in the valley and having these medical conditions. Whatever it may transpire, you are God. Lord of lords, King of kings, and you will hold our hand, hold our body, and love us through it all. So God, I pray as we've gathered together in this place, we lift up our our sister and her family as they've made this decision for her nephew. God, may you just, just, just bring peace down upon that hospital room this morning. God, may you just let your spirit just just flow so thickly through there that doctors, nurses, family will speak wisdom, that they will feel your presence and they'll feel your grace, and they'll feel your joy. God, may your will be done in that house, and God, I know your will shall be done in this house as well. May we open our hearts to hear your words. May you speak through us through song, through the scripture reading, through the sermon, through a handshake, however it may be. But may we hear you this day and leave out of this church, not saying that we just gather together as friends, as a social meeting. We gathered in the presence of our Lord and was quickened by what you had to say. Father, may your will be done in this house. And again, Lord, if there's someone here that has not surrendered their heart to you, there's someone here, maybe they've given you their mind, but now they need to surrender their heart. May this be the day. May they hear your word, and may they leave here changed, a new creation in the eyes of God. 
May your will be done, Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Praise God. It's good seeing everybody, as I said this morning. Walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug. Just, just let them know it's good to see them in God's house this morning. I will bless the name of Jesus, praise the name of Jesus, sing unto the King of Israel. I will bless the name of Jesus, praise the name of Jesus, sing unto the King of Israel. And now sing glory, glory, glory to His name I want to grab a hold of this morning. It's good to see all the smiling faces today. Uh, we do have some who are traveling, some in the hospital, such as that. So continue to be praying for those that when you look around, you don't see them here. Let's just continue to lift them in prayer. Uh, next week is our special, after this service, I'm going to have a special called business meeting. If you want to stay after the services next Sunday morning, again, the amendment, the amendment to our bylaws has been on the front table for the last uh, three weeks, actually. And that is just going to be a quick vote on that amendment, which was to go from bi-yearly business meetings to once-a-year business meetings and letting the staff run with things. It's on the back table if you haven't read it yet, but after next week's service, immediately following the service, and if there's altar calls and things, after everything's done, then we're going to have a special called business meeting for those who will stay and vote towards that. Um, also next week on March 4th, we have the, on this bulletin board and the bulletin board outside and the other room is a singing uh, that Miss Joyce brought our attention to. All the information is back there on the bulletin board. But I wanted to remind everybody about the singing next week. And also March 9th, the, you might want to write down your calendar, that's two weeks, but that's a Thursday night service. Usually our Thursday night service we have in the fellowship hall and we eat and we have the the message and everything in there. We're going to have in the big bonfire pit behind the parsonage over there, behind the food pantry, we're going to have a bonfire and a guest speaker, Joshua Gaines. Now that was 
going to be just for the youth, but it's been opened up for everybody that'd like to come. We'll have hot dogs you can roast, and uh, I think you said marshmallows and all that kind of good stuff, right? At least hot dogs. We'll have you can you can do your hot dogs over the bonfire and and bring your some chairs, and we'll sit out there and have a good time in the backyard. And Joshua Gaines is going to be speaking to us that Thursday night. The um, the rest of this, I think we've already touched on. There's some in your bulletin. Make sure you read all the, the messages in your bulletin. And I'm going to ask Corey to come up for just a moment. And he wants to say something. Good morning. Sorry, guys. I left my notes in the youth room, so hopefully I don't forget anything. Um, just to speak a little bit on Joshua Gwaines, guys, he is that ministry that we did the uh, coat uh, drive for last year. He does the Ethnos uh, Kids Mission in San Antonio. So he's going to be coming out speaking to us. Also, I asked Pastor if I can speak to you guys this morning. Uh, in April 13th to the 15th is our pre-Easter camp at Alto Frio. We do have about six kids who are interested in going. The only thing is they do not have the funds to go. It does cost $80 to go, so if anybody feels the need that they want to sponsor one of the youth, please let me know ASAP because I do have the register within the next week or so. So that's what it, okay. Thank you. Yep. So if anybody would like to sponsor one of the youth to go to the pre-Easter camp is what he's saying, uh, just get with me or him or Miss Lou and we can make that happen. And, and uh, if you want to just uh, give a little more to help towards some of those kids who are trying to get up the funds to go to pre-Easter camp. Just get with one of us so that we can make sure that happens. All right, Bob's got our scripture reading this morning. Can I pray with you, brother? Father God, I just thank you for my brother and his willingness to come and open the scripture with us for a scripture reading and playing his music and singing. God, I just pray that you'll bless him and Cheney and their family and just thank you for using them in such a mighty way. May we hear you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Bless the Lord. I wanted to share today, if I may, out of uh, the 15th chapter of Luke. And uh, if we look in chapter Luke, uh, the 15th chapter, Jesus was dealing with somewhat of a form of a cancer within the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of, of Jerusalem and in Judea. And uh, in chapter 15, it said, Then drew near unto him the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribe murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spoke a parable unto them. It, actually, he spoke a few parables. The first parable he spoke was of the lost sheep, the 99. And um, he talked about who among you would not, if you had 99 sheep, leave the 99 and go search for the one that's lost. And he was trying to explain to them um, how important we are to, to God how precious we are to God. And he followed that up with the parable that I'd like to share today. It says in chapter 7, And I say unto you that the kingdom of heaven is likewise unto a, a woman. He said, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the whole house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the peace which I had lost. And it's two super short verses, and we like I think most of us probably tend to look over that and just say, Wow, what a cute story. A little lady lost her coin and she found it. But there's so much deep meaning in this, in these two verses. There's two verses here that have such deep meaning, and I'd like to talk about that real quick if I could. First off, this lady had ten coins. And she actually, if we actually look at the, um, the original Greek, it was, uh, this coin was a drachmas, which is equivalent to a, a Roman denarii, which is about a single day's wages at that time. So you could picture it today, maybe 150 to $200 she had lost. So it wasn't a great deal, but she was a, a widow woman and a peasant. And for her to have money, because they basically, in the villages around that area, they worked on a barter system. And for a widow lady to have Money, that was very unusual for her to have those coins. And she knew that they were worth something. And I want to remind, remind all of us today, even myself, that when God looks upon us, he sees us as being worth something, being special, being special to him. And that coin was very special to her 
And she sought for it, just like the shepherd who left the 99 and went out and sought. And I think sometimes we talk about how we seek God, but the truth of the matter is if we belong to God and we stray, he actually seeks us. He actually seeks us and looks for us. And uh, last earlier in the, the month, it was a little more than a week ago, it was uh, Valentine's Day, and um, I work for a company called WellMed. And so I, uh, I teach physicians and nurses and medical technicians how to test for different diseases and things like that, teach them how to document in the electronic health record and how to use it. But I was up there teaching a class, and um, because it was Valentine's Day, I was staying in Austin, and Shani came up to stay with me, and uh, it was pretty nice. Um, but um, Shani had said, can, can you grab my purse out of the back seat? I was driving my car, and she was grabbing hers. And so you guys don't laugh at me too much. But when she said that, I, I opened the car door, and I had my car keys in, the hand, in my hand, and I put my car keys up on top of the car. And then when I went to get her purse, she like, went to grab it from me, and she knocked the key card for the room out of my hand. So then I was like focused on the key card. Needless to say, I forgot that I had put the keys up on top of the car. And so the next morning, I um, searched that whole room. I tore the hotel room completely apart, and I couldn't find the key. And um, there were about three keys on there that had the, the, like, the key fob built into them. Those are like $100 keys. <laughs> so I thought it was worth it to try to look for the keys. Shaney called me when she was on her way going down 130, and she said, I just saw the keys slide off the top of the car. <laughs> and, um, she was going 70 miles per hour, and uh, she didn't feel like she could stop because there was too much traffic behind her. So that, that day when I got off work, I went out there and parked the car, and I was walking down 130, and a trooper came along and said, you'll never find those keys. You need to stop your search. But I, I was determined that I was going to find them. I want to just pass this around real quick because... God really spoke to me through this key. Um, that's my whole set of sheets. It was up all the way in the ditch on the... Shane was driving on the right lane, and it was up all the way on the ditch on the left lane. It was left in my car keys. And when I found those keys, there was about eight keys on there. When I found them, the Lord said to me, and I mean, it was almost like I heard his, his voice. He said, you put all this time... It was about almost five hours, and Carla came and helped Shaney, and they were looking too. We spent about five hours looking for these keys, and just as we're getting ready to give up, it was getting dark, and God showed me those two little pieces under the grass. I, ha- I have no idea. I-, I know that he showed me where they were, and he said, he said, you spent all this time looking for these keys, and you have another key to each one of these vehicles, but you have the key to eternal life. How much time did you spend trying to share that key with someone else? And that really, really pricked me in my heart. And so I want to tell you, those Pharisees and those Sadducees, they tried to make it about, they tried to make it about privilege and about race. But God said it's about grace. It's, It's not about race, it's about grace. And so we need to remember that it's about grace. And I teach a class called Motivational Interviewing where we teach health coaches how to actually um, establish goals with their patients. It's called Motivational Interviewing. And one of the major tenets of that course is from the, um, the new education literature, which talks about constructivism. And they say that you actually need to go from being a sage on the stage to being a guide on the side. Those, those Pharisees were trying to be a sage on the stage, telling them, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. You can't. They need to be a guide and show them what God's word says. And that's what we need to do. We need to, try, we need to move from trying to be a sage on the stage and be a more of a guide on the side to help show them the way to eternal life through Jesus. And I'm sorry I'm taking so long. There's just a couple other things I'd like to say real quick. Another thing is that lady, when she lost that, she lit a lamp. Have you ever thought about what that lamp represents in that story? She lit a lamp. Who is the light of the world? Jesus, if Jesus isn't involved in it, if his Holy Spirit isn't working with you, if you don't have that light there with you, you're not going to be successful. But when you go to tell someone about Jesus, when you go to seek the lost, make sure you light that lamp and have it lit for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity to read from your word, Lord God. And we thank you that you're a living God who teaches us daily, Lord God. And we just pray that you would help us have the boldness to put 
to put the lessons that you teach us into practice, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm okay with that. No, I'm just kidding. I think if anybody thought that was long-winded, you're wrong. If anybody was rushed to get back to singing, you're wrong. That was good. We are going to sing now. I see most of you standing up. That's good. You kind of know the... What's about to happen here? We're going to sing Our God is Greater. Ready? Water turning wine. You open the eyes of the blind Snow one like you None like you And into the darkness you shine And out of the ashes we rise Snow one like you None like you Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power. Into the darkness you shine And out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you There's none like you Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God. God. And if our God is for us, who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, what could stand against? And if our God is for us, who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, what could stand against? What could stand against? Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God. And if our God is for us, who could ever stop us? If our God is with us, what could stand against? And if our God is for us, who could ever stop us? If our God is with us, what could stand against? What could stand against?
the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat.
seat this morning. We're going to be turning to Matthew chapter 7. However, I'd like you to watch this video before we get started there. And, and normally I would have just gone right to the video, and that's probably what I told Bob to do. But I just wanted to point something out. As you watch the video, couldn't find it with the words, but I think most of us can understand the words that's going to be being said. But everything has fell in line from our Bible study to, the, to what Bob was saying earlier to even the new text, and that's on the, the newspaper on the front table up there, the front page story. Everything fell in line with the sermon today, and, and I'm just amazed. But watch this video, if you wouldn't, listen to the words. Running a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. She is trying but the canyon's ever widening in the depths of her cold heart. So she sets out on another misadventure just to find. She's another two years older and she's three more steps behind. Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going down today? Under the shadow of our steeple With all the lost and lonely people Searching for the hope that's tucked away in you and me Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? 
steeple With lofty glances from lofty people You can't see past a scarlet letter And we've never even met her If judgment looms under every steeple If lofty glances from lofty people Can't see past a scarlet letter saying there that the group that you heard there is casting crowns. And though the song is turning to be a rather older song now, I guess, at this point, I think they hit the problem right out of the park. And it's a problem that wasn't just when they wrote the song, it was prior to and since then as well. And I see it more and more and more. Every time I talk to somebody, usually it's a, a young adult, but there's older adults as well, and, and they tell me how they tried to seek help. They were, they, they were running the wrong direction. They knew it, but for whatever reason, they still felt as though they had to put on this persona. But they show up to a church, or they go to a church, or they go to this group of Christians, and, and because they don't know the words to say or the right things to say, or they're not exactly sure how to approach them, they walk away without getting any help or realization of what direction to go. Folks, it breaks my heart to say that and to hear that because it should not be up to them to know the right things to say or to ask for. It should be up to you and I that knows Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as he said, that has the word and the promise hidden within us to go to them. We should be looking for them. And as Bob shared with his broken key and searching for the keys, we have another set of keys. We have other things around us. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. But what about that one that's lost right here under the steeple and out there, and we don't go to them, we don't speak to them? The lyrics and the, and the message of this song it makes me think of the attitudes that, of people in the church, have outside the church too, but within the Christian body. When I say within the church, I'm not saying this building. As Christians, we need to stop and look just a little bit and check, where is our attitude? How is our attitude being formed? Where and how are we looking? He says, without even meeting her, they've already cast their lofty glance. They looked and saw. Did you notice the lady pulls her purse up over her face and kind of covers her little girl's face? Without ever even meeting her. In Matthew chapter 7, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that gets misquoted oftentimes, and we're going to touch on that as well. But in Matthew chapter 7, notice verse 1. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. And remember, this is red letter. This is Christ speaking here. For with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured by you, to you as well. Do you hear that, guys? Jesus himself in the red letter there states that as you measure others, as you judge others, expect that judgment to come back onto you. If you want to just give a lofty glance and move on about your way, Expect that when you're in that trial and you're in that trouble, expect others to do the same thing. This song 
has always, ever since it came out, really grabbed a spot in me, and it really touches on me, and it just moves within me. And the song is talking about a girl who's trying to, to, to run away from God, and she's looking for fulfillment in everything and in everywhere. She is running. And if we are honest with ourselves, I think most of us can say we have been in that position in our earlier days or at some point in our lives. We have been running different ways in different directions, but that conviction within us says that it's wrong. And so what do we do? We seek out the church. We'll seek out Christians. That's what she, she saw them walking. She knew there had to be more to life. But when she looked to the fulfillment, when she looked for fulfillment, when she went to the church and she was looking for what can replace this emptiness that I have, the lofty people gave her lofty glances. And at the end of the song, the moral of the song, if you will, is we need to be real careful about how quickly we judge people. About how quickly we just take a glance and, 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 and say, okay, well this person's that or this person's this. And we start talking about how quickly and, and, and we just overlook and, and move on. We need to be careful when we base our judgments on circumstances and lifestyle. But we do. There are so many Christians today that quickly just categorize people by the clothes they have on or the tattoos that they have or the piercings that they have or just because they're a millennial or a generation Xer or, or a baby boomer or just an elderly person or whatever it may be. We are so quick to look at the outward circumstance. We're so quick to look at an appearance. We're so quick to make these quick judgmental decisions in our mind when in reality we should be reaching out to lift them up to where they need to be spiritually it doesn't matter to the clothes guys regardless of the clothes regardless of the tattoos regardless of their age christ is looking for their heart you and i cannot judge a man's heart only god can now we should expect the world to to go out and and pick and choose their friends because of their status We should expect the world to go out and pick and choose who they hang with by what clothes they wear. But guys, as Christians, we have not been given that mandate. In fact, he said, go ye into the highways and the byways. He said, go into the barrios. Go wherever it is that he leads you to go and invite everyone back. Invite them, share the gospel message. We have the message if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But what good is it if you just keep it to yourself? It's sad, but, 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 but very true, I believe, that we live in a, a classified, judgmental society. And what do I mean by that? I say that when we look at someone, we, we have like a filing cabinet. I'm aging myself. I guess we have the cloud in our mind nowadays. But we categorize, we put people in a specific file just by our first impressions. And I'm saying Christians and even Christian leaders, we have these, these private filing systems. We'll meet somebody and say, oh... Uh, I, I want to be friends this, with this person. I want to get to know them better. Maybe it's based on their, their, their standard of society, their position in life, the clothes they wear, the, the kind of car they drive. Oh, this is my kind of friend. And then we'll meet somebody else and we'll put them in that, oh, well, I have to fulfill my Christian duty. I'll, I'll speak to them at church, but I won't do so in public or anything like that. And then I think some people even have that file, oh, that's the pastor's problem. Guys, We need to stop and be real careful and look beyond the covering. We need to look beyond the binder of the book. We need to get into the heart. And to get into the heart means we go to the Lord and let Christ work through us. We need to look at other people. And I'm saying right here the song says, under our very own steeple, with the eyes of Jesus Christ. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to see past the clothing. We're going to see past the circumstances. We're going to see past the age differential. And we're going to see a heart that needs to know Jesus Christ. Why do we get caught up in in, in these lofty glances? Why do we get so caught up in what we think the initial appearance should be? Yes, we do clean up nice, and we do this and we do that. But folks, we are to lead them to Christ. We are to share Christ, and Christ is the one who grabs them and cleans them up. Notice one of the primary verses in that song that just grabs my attention when when the music kind of comes down a little bit. He said, if judgment looms under every steeple, if, if lofty glances from lofty people can't see Pastor Scarlet Letter, even though they've never met her, implies to you and I, then what good is having the good news? If, if, if we cannot even get past the, the clothing that she wears to the one that needs to hear it, then what good is having it? 
If we choose not to share the great news that God has given us, if we choose not to share the salvation message, and if we choose not to build a relationship with Christ and these other people, just because of the circumstance in her life, she had that scarlet letter, whatever it may be in someone's life, I'm going to say this morning, Smith, to you, that's not her problem as much as it is yours. Now granted, she will stand accountable for her sins. You can't change that. Only she can through choosing the blood of Jesus Christ. But I would submit to you that if you turn away, the blood of her life of that unsaved is upon your hands, as it says in Ezekiel. We need to stop trying to pick and choose who we share the gospel with by the clothes they have on or the tattoos that they have or or whatever it may be and say this is the way it is. Here's Jesus Christ. You know, the dictionary says, I looked up lofty, and it says, elevated in, in character and spirit. And I wonder if the church today has is, is merely become lofty, or sometimes I think maybe even judgmental. And you may say, well, what's the difference there? Lofty is kind of what was happening in the song. I and mean, he said lofty people, that, that, that she can come to the church, that we'll look at her and say, look at her clothes, and we'll look at the way she asks, and we, we can see she's an outcast of some sort. So we'll just say, you know, in a lofty higher and holier than thou, you know, in that religious tone. Oh, how are you? And we'll give her a welcome and a handshake and then back away and leave her to her own devices. That's a lofty church, folks. That's that holier than thou, mightier than everyone else idea. Christ would have sat down and allowed her to bathe his feet with her tears. Christ would have shared the love that his father had. And he would have shared the mercy and the grace that he has. Again, going back to Bob's scripture reading, he cares about every heart, every coin, every piece of that individual. But we'll spend so much time building up our social clubs and groups and and, and this trip and that trip, and we'll put this program together and that program together. And then right in the midst of it all under that that steeple, is someone who's crying out for help, whether they be a child, whether it be a young adult, or maybe an older person. How tuned are we to look to the people that need our help? Oh, yeah, he needs help. We'll leave that for the pastor. I'm going to plan the vacation Bible school. Oh, yeah, he needs help. I'm going to go mow the yard instead. We can do great things in the name of the Lord, but if God puts somebody in your life that needs help, we need to get rid of the lofty ideas, get down in the dirt and wherever they may be, and say, thus saith the Lord. And share the gospel with them. Well, I can't agree more. What good is having the message if you choose to keep it to yourself? It's like people who, who go and, and I don't knock this. If that's what you do, that's cool. But, you know, my son, where he works, he'll go into people's houses over on the north side. And they got like 10 or 12 of these uh, Maserati, you know, high dollar vehicles that never move. What good are they? if you don't do anything with them. What good is it if we have the message and we don't share it when Christ tells us to share it? We need to quit looking out with lofty glances. And then there's judgmental. Some people are judgmental. It's not just lofty. Lofty means you're holier than thou. You're higher than that. You don't want to waste your time speaking to this. But there are those who are actually judgmental. They, they, as soon as they see her, they see their clothes. They see her tattoos. They see... That, that maybe she's dressed inappropriately for Sunday worship. Or sometimes they may see bruises and things and say, I don't want to be a part of whatever the situation is here. And they just close her off. They don't even give her the high and the thank you. They just give her the cold shoulder, turn and walk away. Folks, I'm going to tell you this morning, as Jesus said, as you judge, expect to be judged. When that person comes and, you, and Christ quickens your mind and, and convicts you she needs to be spoken to or he needs help, that they need to know who I am. I'm the one who can help them. They need you to put hands and feet and voice to what I'm going to say to her. And you give her the cold shoulder, then expect to hear from the Lord about that later. Jesus said it right there very clearly. As you judge, so shall you be judged. As you look to others, so shall you be looking at. at. The song here, guys, points out the fact that right here under our steeple, there's many people who need our help. But whether it's because we're lofty or whether because we're judgmental, we just glance over them. We go walk, right, walking right by them. How many young adults are screaming? And then we just say, oh, they're just rebellious. Or we'll label them as they're lazy, they're, they're this, they're that. And, and we'll label them and put them to the side. When in reality, they need somebody to reach in and show them where there's direction. 
these verses in, in Matthew chapter 7 do not mean that, that Christians are forbidden to look at their fruit. I'm not saying that. It doesn't say that we shouldn't look at what's going on around them. What it's saying there in chapter 7 is that we are not to judge the heart of others in the sense of condemning them. We cannot see the heart. We don't know where they have been. We may not understand where they have been. We may not even be able to comprehend what they're going through. But we as brothers and sisters in Christ have the responsibility not to look at the outward acts as much as going in and and sharing Christ to the inward heart. Yes, they may be acting out. And it may be wrong. And we may need to address it. But it doesn't mean to loftily look over it. It doesn't mean to judge them in our heart. It means share the gospel with them. Look to them and say, here it is. God doesn't forbid our judging and, 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 and looking at evil actions to protect our family and others. We need to look at the outside actions. We need to judge the fruit. But the inward heart is only for God to see. The inward heart is only for, for God to judge, folks. There is so much hate and vitriol being poured out on, on different generations. But you know, it's kind of like Stormy said in Sunday school this morning. Every Next generation says, they're go- the, the older generation says they're, they're going to go straight to hell. They're burning in a pit because they're so bad. Every generation. And I'm hearing it so much now. The millennials are just the most useless, worthless people. And we're not, why even waste our time on them? Well, I praise God that somebody thought otherwise to the hippie generation or we wouldn't have anybody here today. And you know what? These millennials need you and I to get out there and share the gospel with them as well. Rather than categorizing and saying and judging by their clothes and their appearances and things of this nature, we need to go in and say, thus saith the Lord, God loves you. And they might get a little broady and, and rambunctious at first. And say, you know, you can put on all that facade you want. My God still loves you. And when they see you care enough to keep coming back and telling them that God loves them, you know what's going to happen? Maybe he really does. He's not just one of those lofty people in that lofty steeple. He really does care. And then when you lead that one to the Lord, or Christ leads him to the Lord, he's going to go back into that situation and maybe grab another, and another, and another. Because we didn't judge him at the door by his clothes, we shared the gospel to his heart. There's a whole lot of people out there that you may say, ah, who cares? I haven't in a while, but I used to ride down into biker rallies and stuff, and people say, well, you're crazy. You know, you're dirtying yourself all up. It is amazing how many times when the people found out I was a pastor, that beer went behind their back. They knew what was right and what was not. They knew that, and I'm not saying that that's wrong, but they felt a conviction in their hearts. And then I could say, God loves you. God cares about you. God desires you. Folks, it's not about the appearance. We've got to quit making judgments on appearance. You know, I don't think it's fair. Bob shaved his head and he's got hair back. Mine didn't. I could judge him and say, you know, he's just one of them hairy people. Or I know my brother loves the Lord and I can say, thank you, Jesus, that he got up and shared with us today. It's not the outward appearance, guys. It's not what we can see as much as what God can see within someone. And that's not for us to judge the heart of a man. It's to, it's to look to the man and share the gospel. That's what Jesus said. He said, go ye therefore and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Share the gospel. If we're going to go out there and judge people, if someone needs help and someone need, needs, needs to know Christ and we walk away because we're being judgmental, then I would submit to you this morning that don't be surprised, don't act like, where did this come from? When you need help, nobody's there. Because God's already warned us. Yes, we have a generation of young adults who are rebellious. But you know what? My older adults said the same about me, and the older adults said the same about them, and so on down the line. We need to quit judging and start sharing the gospel, guys. There's a lot of lost and lonely people that are hiding right under the steeple that doesn't need any more lofty glances. 
They need to know Jesus Christ. This morning, as I was getting ready, and I, I came in this morning, and Lord, had, I came up yesterday to pray. I already knew what I, the, the Lord was going to have me to preach on today. And I got to thinking. God, I, I pray, God forgive us if we ever even remotely overlooked some young kid or somebody who's, who's searching for Jesus because we're too quick to judge. Because God can reach into the darkest of situations and pull out diamonds like you can never believe. But we have to search and go in there. It's up to you and I to aim these children. But I came in this morning, and the New Texan, I put back there on the back table, and as I was laying this down back there, the very front page story grabbed my attention. I can't read the whole thing to you. I could, but I don't know how many of you would fall asleep on me. But I do want to grab just this one little section in the middle so you can hear that the headline of the story, Church Ladies Befriend an Adult Dance Club Owner. And then it says this in the middle. I just wanted to grab this. Teresa said later, the tangible things we brought to her, Teresa was the nightclub um, dance club owner. Teresa said later, the tangible things we brought to meet her physical needs spoke to her, and the fact that we went to the trouble to track her down because we were concerned. That day, Fears asked why God allowed bad, bad things to happen to children, giving Wooten an open door to share both the gospel and her son's struggles with autism. Moberly, associate pastor, Greg Zachary, and his wife, Tina, were all instrumental in reaching Teresa. Greg had formerly struggled with depression, so Brooks and Wooten thought he could minister to the Fears. They were going to Teresa's providing meals for her and the ladies who worked there before the club opened Saturday night. Notice... They were going to the club providing meals for these girls and her as they were working, before they went to work. Before I went, I thought and prayed about it seriously. He consulted accountability partners and other mobberly pastors asking for prayer. We didn't want anything to happen that would not glorify the Lord. My wife and I went to the club. I shared my testimony. We listened to Teresa and were heartbroken over the pain she had endured. We prayed for her. Wooden called Zachary's visit a huge turning point. The first time a pastor had ever come through Teresa's doors to offer help. The Zacharies also began messaging fears with scripture and biblically based questions. The Zacharies went twice to the club before Teresa started attending church at Moberly's, Marshall Satellite, and later Longview Campus. Listen to this. She brought friends to the church, including homeless people and club workers, and was welcomed by members who had ministered to her in the club. Do you hear that, guys? She brought the dancers, the homeless, and everyone from around there. She brought them to church with her. And they weren't judged. They wasn't pushed out. And what happened? On August 2nd, Teresa trusted Christ after meeting with the Marberly staff, including Zachary. We listened to Teresa, invited her to share the things of her heart, Zachary recalled. Pastor Glenn and I had a chance to explain the gospel to her. Then Teresa said her religion was kindness, and Zachary explained that kindness is a character trait of God, exhibited through people controlled by His Spirit. They discussed repentance. Zachary shared Romans 2.4, that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Pastor Glenn asked if Teresa was willing to be all in. And Zachary said that was the day she surrendered to Jesus. When Teresa left the meeting, she posted on Facebook that she was closing the club. Her perspective had changed totally, and she now saw it as evil, not honoring to the Lord. And she was not pressured in it. It was the Holy Spirit who convicted her. Amen. And there's a lot more to the story. These are on the back table. You can read the rest of the story, as, as Paul Harvey would say. But here's the point I wanted to make in reading this this morning after I read it today. If we had been that lofty church, that judgmental church, these are people, you, if you read the message, you would see out of that adult dance hall, dance club, whatever you want to call it, she was feeding the homeless. She was taking meals out. She did have a, a heart those. She didn't know it was for the loss. She didn't realize it was because of what was going on in the, in the church. Son, quit throwing the football up, please. It, it, was, it, was about, it was about understanding that these people were important in the church. That these people, regardless of what's on the outside, regardless of what they may look like, need to, be, need to know Christ. Praise God for these pastors that were willing to take the will, word into where the, a lot of people would say, no, we can't go there. Praise God when she brought her friends to the church. They weren't judged or looked at in loft, from lofty glances. They were accepted and Christ was shared. 
The song that was sang this morning said right here under our steeple, there's needy people. And if we just pass over them with lofty glances because we can't get past the scarlet letter, even though we've never met her, then what good is it having the gospel in the first place? This morning, if the Lord's speaking to you, here's what I hope he's saying. First of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and maybe you felt like that. Maybe you felt like the church leadership has been using big words and churchy words and churchy ideas. Or maybe you're feeling like, if I walk that aisle, my mama will be mad at me because she thought I was saved. Or if I walk that aisle, people will think differently of me. Let me share with you this morning that if they're in that position, they are the ones in lofty places and they'll be judged by their judging. The relationship that God extends to you is from He to your heart. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He wants to know you. He loves you. He cares for you. And yes, I'm afraid I'm going to have to tell you there are Christians out there who are judgmental. Yes, there are Christians out there who are lofty places. And unfortunately, I've been one of them at times. But I will share with you that I try with all my heart to reach out and say, Christ, here I am. Use me. Because if I'm looking to Him and asking Him to use me, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to quit looking at the scarlet letter and I'm going to look at the heart that's broken by the scarlet letter. And I'm going to go in and say, I don't, it, it's not about what you've been and what you've done. It's about what you can do and what you can become. The choice is ours. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you can choose life with Him today. If you do know Him and you realize you've been making those lofty glances, you just skim over, oh, there's some more of those young adults over there with the weird tattoos. Oh, there's some more of them older people over there that think they already know everything. Whatever category you want to use in your mind, if you're just classed in the lofty glances, you can change that today. You can say, Lord, put me back on solid ground. Put my feet back down so I can see what's going on. And let me look at the people around me. Who needs me? Who needs me? And the great thing is, as you, were, as you look with the eyes of Christ, the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. And you may say, oh, I can't talk to young adults. I can't talk to young people. Maybe you can't, but my God can. Greater is he who's within me than he who is of this world. Where are you at this morning? This altar will be open. I'd love to pray with you. But please, understand, if you are one of those folks that are judgmental, Give that to Christ today. And if you're saying, well, I'm just trying to beautify the church. I'm just trying to make sure the church is respectable. I'm just trying to make sure that, that everything's the way it's supposed to be. Let God handle that. He said go out and invite them in. Let God do the cleaning. And let's go do the fishing. Let's go back to being what God's called us to be. Fishers of men. Are you there this morning? This altar will be open. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. And again, please, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, for whatever the reason may be that you haven't accepted Him as, as of yet, today you can change that. Choose life. Choose life. Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Father God, I just come before you right now and just ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we, each one of us individually, will choose not to be one of those with the lofty glances, but that we'll choose to be an implement and a tool used by you to reach into the hearts and surgically extract the ugly and put back the grace and mercy of life back into the people. God, may you use us to glorify your name and build your church. Help us to seek out the pain and the hurt Help us not to turn our backs to the bruises and the tattoos. and Help us to focus on mercy and grace. God, may your will be done in the hearts of your people at this time of, of invitation. And God, most of all, if there's someone here that does not know you, if there's someone here today that has yet to surrender their heart to you, may they feel your pull. May they feel your grace. But most of all, may they feel your love envelop them to where they have to accept who and what you are. 
God, I pray your will to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. As they play and sing behind us, join in song if you, if you desire. If God's telling you to sit and pray, get on your knees and pray, come to this altar and pray, do whatever the Lord's leading you to do. But guys, let's leave out of here, not one of those lofty churches. Let's get our head back on and our britches back where they need to be and go out and fight the battle for Christ. Let's quit getting too big for our britches, in other words, and be what God's called us to be as we sing.